What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched everything, everywhere, all at once. And, like, we just watched it. And I really need some more time to process it. Well, you don't get but, more time. We <laughs> just guess, watched it. I guess we're not going to process it. We're going to get our raw, unfiltered, unfiltered, unthought through reactions. So, our first impressions full of spoilers. So, yeah, uh, it's a new movie if you want to go see it. And I, I think it is nice to go in not knowing what, what to, to expect. expect. Um, you should go watch it and then listen to this. Before. Yeah. So it's not, it's not spoiled. Spoiled. Um, could try to describe what it's about, but I think it's a lot easier to just watch the trailer. <laughs> yeah, because the trailer definitely explained everything. <laughs> no. Fully understood what was happening. Yeah, it's, you know, multiverse. Multiverses have become popular now that... Marvel has opened. I think it's funny that Marvel has taken like multiple TV shows and a movie, a couple movies, to like introduce audiences to multiverses, and this one does it in under five minutes. Yeah, like it it explains it. It's fine. It does it through some cool visual storytelling. That's it. That's cool. It does a great job of that. So, what did you think? I. Well, I expected it to be more confusing, because I thought we were going to jump more between mm. universes mm -hmm. and have to keep straight, like, who she is, who she, Michelle Yo. Yes. At least it's Yo. Yes, I looked it up. It is Yo. I've only been mispronouncing it my whole life. Yeah. Mispronounced it in a previous podcast. Yeah. So, that's bad. Look up how to pronounce your names. Yeah, that's I'm rude of us. Calling. Calling. Myself out for for that. Um, Michelle Yeoh is the protagonist, and her name is Evelyn. Evelyn. Yes, her name is Evelyn. Shh. Her last name Wang. Is Wang. <laughs> sure, it starts with a ch sound. Wang. Yeah. Um. Everybody knows that. Uh. I expect, so I expected to have to keep more track of her life and the different universes. Mm -hmm. she, and habits and jumping between them. But it's really, you just see glimpses. You don't yeah. see personality or story. life story yeah. from those places. So it was a lot easier to follow. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're not, neither of us are strangers to sci-fi. So we're not, we don't find the, the, the multiverse is like a difficult concept to jump into. No. But I still thought I was going to be confused. Not, yeah, not, not, not confused, confused, but there's going to you're going to have to put more work into it. Yeah, I'd have to follow follow it more. Yeah, to... well, because I think I mean I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but we've definitely watched like multiverse stories before, and yes, oftentimes you do get more fleshed out aspects of the different parallel tracks and, and how they got to different places yeah and what choices they may have made to get them to different yeah in this case montage does a lot of the heavy lifting <laughs> um you get you get glimpses you get glimpses you see kind of the same kind of sequences from her childhood that might have led to different outcomes outcomes because mm -hmm. it's working from the like life choices yeah Every every decision branches into, into its own multiverse. Except for the evolutionary one, which is... Uh, well, that wasn't one of her decisions. It was no, a decision that someone no, made. I mean. Yeah. It was like an adjacent universe mm -hmm. of multiverses. Yeah. Evolution happened. Yeah, she um, went off the different, grid. Different, <laughs> differently. Um, I have to say, I didn't like it as much as everyone else. Okay. Liked it. That's fair. Um, it may be because I only saw good things from all of... Everybody? Everybody. And so it threw off my expectations. Yeah. You know, it's harder if everybody sees something's wonderful. Not that you... You go in with higher expectations. You do go in with higher, higher expectations. Higher um, I liked it more as we got towards the end of it and it made me want to watch it again because I think I might enjoy it more the second time mm. through and understanding more of where it's going mm -hmm. um I don't have any particular things to point to like I appreciate it was really good filmmaking it was 
funny and absurd, but mm. not like unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, the storytelling was great. The acting was great. Um, so I don't have any things to point to. It just didn't, just didn't like spark okay. for me. In the, That's interesting. I don't know why. I, <laughs> I must You must enjoy wrong. the movie or you I are must wrong. Be wrong. Meanwhile, in a parallel universe where Amy enjoyed the movie more. Yeah. I think maybe because I was expecting more of jumping between and um but instead we stay with the Evelyn Wang who owns the laundromat the who um doesn't really know who she is has kind of been fumbling along seems like for several years yeah. is, um kind of paid less attention to her marriage and is fighting with her daughter and it's kind of um unhappy mm-hmm. unhappy circumstances yeah i would describe it as um weirdly a uh, a sci-fi coming of age film about a woman in her late 50s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's the same sort of narrative arc of sort of un- figuring out who you are uh-huh. and using the the fantastical to explore that and help her decide and figure out who she is and what she wants. Mm-hmm. You know, just like uh, It's a Wonderful Life did so many years ago. Yeah, that's the first movie I would compare it to. That's what I was... That's what came to mind when I was making my analogy of... I was thinking as we were going through the film that it was going to be a film that wasn't about what it is on the surface, but more about a mother-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. And I liked that it kind of expanded out to more people than just mother-daughter. That it kind of takes other people to make you... Whole, yeah. In some ways, not that you can't be a complete person. No, you can't but rely it's... on other people to make you whole. But it's a community. Like you yeah. need companionship. In... You need to not be alone. No. You need to not be alone, and that doesn't have to be romantic, which I feel like is, is so often where the rom com goes. <laughs> it has to be a romantic yeah. attachment. But um, Since we need each other. You need. You need other other people yeah um that and for parents needs to know when to let their child go and will when to pull them back from over the edge and i mm-hmm. think that's a hard line yeah to and i think fathom as a parent i think the movie shows that it's hard and it is it's confusing and difficult and you never think you're gonna get it right and sometimes you don't mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean it's over um, which is something I appreciated about the movie. Um, this is going to be kind of a weird thought, but there were no do-overs. Like, it didn't reset anything. Um, it, it sort of did in a couple of ways, but in a couple of ways it really did not. And I think those ways balance each other out. But, like, fairly early on, there is a very significant fight scene in the IRS office. And I think a lesser movie would have like pulled back from that and like undid it. Not in the sense of like it never happened, but like not deal with the consequences and fallout of that. Um, Whereas this movie was very much like, no, this happened. We're sticking with it. We're following it through to every next step in that process. Um, which I think I feared because I think it's so easy to do that in a in a multiverse story, where you're like, well, in a parallel universe, we didn't that didn't happen, or you know, we we wave the magic plot wand and fix it, even if it did happen. It's like, oh, it was all a misunderstanding, everything's fine. Um, because when you have a character thrust into a fantastical element, they will often flail around a bit at first but in they can't flail around in any way that is permanently harmful if that makes sense mm-hmm. um or they're not uh, they're not let to do that um 
Uh, the example that's coming to mind is Peter Parker in the first Spider-Man movie, like, jumping off a building. And, like, if he just fell off and died, or, like, broke multiple bones, like, even if he was stronger. But, like, in the movie, he falls off a building and is mostly fine. Like, there are no consequences to that. Because it's played for kind of a joke, and then that's it. But this, it, the moment is played for a joke. Like, we, we watch... Um, Evelyn's husband, whose name Waymond. is Waymond. Thank you. And, like, we watch the... What we have come to realize is, like, the alternate version of him. Mm -hmm. um, eat a stick of chapstick and then go on a big fight punch thing. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. The chapstick doesn't make any sense. Or the fact that he's a martial arts expert. Both. Um, and then the movie, like, follows up on that promise. That sort of implied promise of, like, we're going to explain what's going on here. It doesn't make any sense, but we're going to allow it to make sense eventually. And you'll, you'll follow along rather than negating it and moving on and pretending it didn't happen. I don't know if any of that made sense. I think so. Okay. But she, ultimately she doesn't stay in that universe where they had the huge fights in well, the IRS. Well, so that's, that's an interesting thought. Because I think she does. I think she ultimately stays everywhere. Um, we follow one Evelyn. But there's nothing in the movie to indicate that she stopped having the ability to sense all universes simultaneously. Um, or really that her daughter did either. Yeah. That Joy didn't. That was... I mean, I think even at the end when you get the, like, her hearing all the whispers is that sort of indication that that's still there. She's just focusing on the moments. Um, so none of the other ones went away necessarily. So you're, the one that takes place in the IRS, so much of the fighting takes place in the IRS. Yes. They follow through because the building is destroyed, kind of yeah. thing, and people are injured, and it's, um, there are people from multiple, like, universes, universes. there. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so it doesn't shy away from... Yeah, well, I could see, like... Again, I don't have a great example of a counterpoint that I'm trying to make, but I could see, like, oh no, something wacky happened at the IRS office, and then we move the rest of the movie somewhere else and can kind of ignore any repercussions from that. Like how Marvel movies never show the cleanup after one yes. of the giant superhero fights. Exactly that, yeah. Um, whereas this movie, at least in one of its parallel universes follows through on that. And really the first third of the movie is mostly following through on that. Um, it's only after the, the fake out the end, which I really appreciated. <laughs> which fake out? The one where it said the end on screen. Oh, after the first part. Yeah, yeah. before the second part started. Um even though I knew it was a fake out the end, because we only had one part, and there were clearly going to be more yeah, parts. I was like, really? You fell for that being... No, I didn't fall for it. Oh, I appreciated okay. it. Yeah. Those are different things. Yeah. Um, but it was really only in the, the second part when we started exploring those other worlds as Evelyn realized she could still exist in them as well. And then also bring herself back to life in the first one and continue mm -hmm. that fight and, and continue that storyline. And struggle with what is all happening. Yeah. I think I would appreciate it more maybe the second time. Fair enough. Around. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very fun. I also appreciated that for a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once um, it was such a relatively small story because I think to go to the Marvel well again, so many Marvel movies 
are too big. The stake of the entire universe is, is the whole universe is at stake, and that's all that matters. And there are no small stakes. Here, yes, the whole multiverse is at odds, and everyone's going to fall into the bagel or whatever. But also, in parallel to that, we have a very small personal story asking deeply personal questions like, who am I? How do I fit in the universe? How do I make peace with the decisions I've made that have led me to here? How do I deal with this daughter who's nothing like me and everything like me? Um, and using the fantastical to explore those things. I also think it was kind of the opposite of the Chosen One story. Yes! She's not actually good at anything. No! And is not, once she discovers this, uh, the multiverse and she can kind of tap into other powers, she's still not good no. at it. No! <laughs> <laughs> taking on, like, skills that she can hang on to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, she doesn't have to be good. And I appreciate that. That's yeah. not just the chosen one who's not good until they discover that they're the chosen they're, they're one. They're actually the good one. And then all the powers come so... Yeah. They're so good at it. Yeah. Neo, the Matrix. Uh, Ray, the Star Wars. Yeah. Ray Star Wars. Ray Star Wars. That's her name, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was cool. I also, unrelated to plot and storytelling really appreciated a lot of the small creative choices. Um, I think it's super clever and silly to have, like, the way that you tap into the parallel universe is by doing something highly unusual or unexpected. Mm -hmm. And the further away you're trying to tap into, the weirder it kind of has to be. Um, I thought that was a clever, very hand-wavy, but a a hand-wavy that sort of makes sense way to explain how to do it. It's you, you cause some sort of improbable event to happen, which allows you to connect to a probable universe further away. And the more improbable your your weird thing you're doing is, the further away that you're, you can tap into. And it makes it very funny. And it makes it hilarious. And to keep that tone of being very absurd and funny, and you laughed out aloud a couple times, a couple people, people around us were laughing out, out yeah. loud, but also keep like a high level of sincerity. Yeah. And... That's a heartfelt. very hard thing to balance. It's a very hard tonal like dichotomy to hold together, and it did that really, really well. Yeah, I agree completely. I think it nailed a very difficult tonal subject mm-hmm. and, and tonal moment, um, which it shouldn't surprise you. I mean, it might surprise you, um, but this is directed by The Daniels, Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel and Daniel, who have last names that I'm looking up on my phone right now. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinhart, Scheinert, mm-hmm. collectively known as Daniels. Um, who have only made one other feature film before this. They did some work in music videos. The feature film they made before this was Swiss Army Man, a.k.a. the Farting Corpse movie. That one I refused to see with you. I understand. I so understand. too weird. I'm not going to... Totally understand that. But having seen Swiss Army Man and really enjoying it, I am not at all surprised that they managed to nail this really weird tone. Mm-hmm. Because I think you can't make a movie like Swiss Army Man be as good as it was. And it was good. I, I will stand by that without being able to name to nail incredibly difficult tonal moments. Mm-hmm. Um because, yeah, Swiss Army Man's weird. What if Castaway, but also there was a farting corpse? <laughs> That's the premise. There's no way that should be emotionally engaging and heartfelt also. While not shying away from fart jokes. Um, it does both. 
I also think um, we'll watch anything with Ms. Michelle Yeoh in it. Yeah, I mean, that's a given. She's just excellent. great. She's so good. The whole cast was really good. I think, too, one one thing that I was kind of disappointed in all of the fight scenes relied on her being really good at fighting. Mm-hmm. And in the world of the film, it seemed like one of herself was trained in martial arts, but a lot of them were trained in other things. But she seemed to hold on to that martial arts yeah. skill more so than the other skills. I and agree with that. That, um, like... I would have liked more storytelling of conflict without all of the fighting, the martial yeah being, being good at martial arts yeah. kind of fighting. There, there were other ways they could have tapped into that. They used a little bit of that, but it was always, how do we use this to make her good at martial arts? Yes. Um, and, and, uh, combat yeah like even yeah. when she's the the hibachi chef she's like oh i'll use my hibachi tools to or be good at martial spinner. arts i'm gonna yeah. spin the shield and not and a bunch be of good people. at martial arts yeah, yeah. But be good at martial arts again so i did think that was i yeah, i think that's fair i um, think i think that is is an underutilization of the trope um and i think you can even make it about martial arts and make it more interesting with those sorts of things you're pulling. I mean, I I think about um, some of the great fight choreography of Jackie Chan and mm-hmm. sort of like using it to tell more of a story. Yeah, yeah. That this didn't do a lot of. It was a lot of a fight with a gimmick rather than like a storytelling of a fight. Um, yeah. So that was a little. Yeah, disappointing. Yeah. The fight scenes themselves were fine. Yeah. They weren't like confusing or, or hard to follow, but it's the same word, confusing and hard to follow. Um but they didn't I mean They weren't necessarily creative to me yeah. in the way that oh you're tapping to a whole different like uh, skill Parallel, sets. Yeah. Parallel and using them sets. in interesting ways. But they're all coming across as being good at some some form of martial Martial, martial arts. arts. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. Which kind. I don't yeah. I I have no idea. Um Yeah. That was No, that's that's fair. I think I think that's a, a valid point is that it it didn't Again for for a multiverse movie, it's very approachable. Like it doesn't push the boundaries of of what's going on or doesn't really explore some of the wider implications that, that can come out of this. And it's not trying to. But yeah, it's, it's very approachable. Like, I think, um, so, you know, we, we could show this to our parents and they would understand it and follow along. And, it, and it, it's not philosophically complex in the way that sci-fi stories can be. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very grounded in a family story. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Not and kind of the coming of age, but not even a complicated coming of age of like Dune. No, <laughs> it's a little bit complicated. Although Dune has a lot of uh, chosen one stuff going on. With yes, it. but yes. yes, yeah. No, I think that's fair. Um, I wanted to catch more things like um, the first time she has to do her. They called it like a launch pad or something. Yes, to, I think they call it the launch pad to get the brain of another of a parallel mm-hmm. self mm-hmm. with a skill set you need for the combat mm-hmm. you're doing. And the first time she does it, she has to say a I genuine love "I love you" yeah. to the Jamie Lee Curtis IRS lady. Yeah, which it was hard to watch those because it was so bureaucratic and like drab <laughs> and horrible. You mean like, it didn't depict the IRS in a very flattering uh, light? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't want to be there for them. I, uh, yuck! Yuck! The piles of paper yeah, receipts. receipts and, uh, but she has to generally that big say, black marker <laughs> wielded like a weapon. Um, and then at the end. The, the, that idea of that that character isn't feeling loved in other universes, universes. Yeah. kind of comes across. So those kind of those mm-hmm. are the kind of connections that 
I feel like I could better get yeah. the um, second time. And, and there was a fairly large amount of repeating cast members mm-hmm. in all of the parallel universes. It mm-hmm. wasn't just, like, the family and Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, it was a lot of, like, oh, I saw you in three universes ago. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I mean, part of me thinks, like, that's a... Like, oh, budgetary benefit. Like, hey, we have one cast. We don't need to hire 70 people. We can hire 30 people and just reuse them three times. Um, But also created some useful narrative benefits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was fun. Um, So many good jokes. I do think there were a lot of good jokes. I don't want to just say them. Because I feel like nothing works like saying nothing works to kill a joke like just saying <laughs> just it again. Gotta do it in the context. Yeah, um, but a couple of the parallel universes we see are truly ridiculous, um, and that works really well. Yeah, I, that's very absurd, but it doesn't. But it's take honest it out. in the absurdity. Yeah, it it believes it. I mean, the everything bagel is going to take out the universe, the, world. the multiverse, yeah, the multiverse, and it's an everything bagel. I mean, that's such a good joke. It's such a dumb, perfect, I love it joke. Uh, and they're eating bagels early. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Not like those it's things those sorts that of I feel things. like are are sprinkled in there that I didn't catch. Yeah, all of them that are very funny. I think and and structurally strong and i mean even making jokes about ratatouille and turning those into a more significant important plot point that is very funny Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i mean the jokes themselves are funny and then they they one-up it by making it better uh yeah i agree with those things Um, i'm looking at my notes what other thing i took some notes in the theater um, the important IRS award. Oh, very, yeah. very funny. Um, and it comes up later. And it comes up later because again, they do so much of that where they set up a thing and use it as a joke, and then take that funny moment and that joke and then make it something more mm-hmm. impactful and meaningful. Uh, I think the costume design is great. We haven't talked about that, but I thought there was a lot of really good Yeah, I wondered designs. especially who was doing the costumes for Joy. I yeah. can't remember her evil villain. Jojo Siwa? Uh, no, that's a person. That's a celebrity. Jobu Tupaki. Um, according to the Jobu Wikipedia. Tupaki. Um, Although I think she called her Choo Choo Chewbacca at one point. You're just making up sounds. Yeah. To, that I liked. Um, making up sounds. Yeah. She had some cool costumes. Yeah. Also the drabness of like in their <laughs> in their the, apartment. The drabness of the the costumes and their ill fitting Yeah. Like, you know. But but Joy had some cool She had some fun costumes. She had some cool fun costumes. And uh, great use of a fanny pack. Mm-hmm. Very unexpected. Yeah. So I was looking at um, the cast list, and I just think this is fascinating. Um, but uh, Kehu Kwan, who played her husband, um, I did not recognize him. I saw this on the Wikipedia. He was in The Goonies, and he played Short Round in Indiana Jones uh, and the Temple of Doom. Oh, is that guy? It's that guy. Wow. Also, he quit acting 20 years ago uh-huh. because there weren't enough strong, like, good roles for Asian actors. Yeah. Um, and this was, like, the first movie he made in 20 years. Wow. Uh, meantime, he'd been, like, a director. He'd done some directing. He was a stunt choreographer as well. Um, but I think that is just fascinating that that's who that was. <laughs> yeah. No, it didn't. Yeah. I, I mean, I would never have recognized him anyway but uh that was cool well and the actor playing joy stephanie shoe i think it's shoe i believe it is also shoe um 
you know, or she, I was like, I've seen her before. I did I not looked, know until I looked it up. Okay, I had to look it up, too. Yeah. Uh, so she looks familiar. Yeah. She was in Marvelous, and still is, I guess, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Um, playing a significantly older character, which is funny and weird. I'm not sure how old she was supposed to be in I mean, I read it as, like, early 20s. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she was in that. She was also in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, apparently. I think very briefly. Yeah. Of, um... But so was Michelle Yao, so... Yo. Yo! Dang it! I was trying so hard. It's okay. Um, also having a film where, like, half of the film... An American film where half of the film is not in English. Yeah. Um, um. Is impressive. I was I was thinking that's impressive, but I was like, we must have films that are maybe half Spanish, half English. Yeah. There's not a lot, but not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah, I think. um, Yeah, the movie never apologizes for using. I think it was Cantonese. Um, only because I saw that on the Wikipedia page that um, the grandfather's name, uh, mm-hmm. Gong Gong, was in Cantonese. Cantonese. So that's why I'm guessing the rest of it was as well. But I don't know that. Um, but the the movie very much had characters who felt like bilingual Cantonese and English speakers. Like they're... They Asian bounce American back and forth. Immigrants, yeah. Like, yeah. And and how often do you see Asian American immigrants as the main uh, characters? Yeah. Well, the Asian immigrants are not. I mean, they're. But they're, they're Asian American now. Yeah, I guess that's true. They they came over from China specifically. Because they're Asian American. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point. Well, Enjoy was obviously born in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That was that was made clear. But yeah, but the, the the bilingual and code switching was all very deliberate and unobtrusive. Um, like I, by the end of the movie, I wasn't even paying attention to when I was reading subtitles when I was hearing dialogue, because um, there were a couple of parallel universes that I don't think they spoke English at all. And it was only like at the end of the movie that I kind of realized that. Um, but of course, I know you and I don't have any problem with subtitles. We're not offended by them, or even have difficulty like reading them and still seeing what's going on in the movie. Well, but it's uh, so. I think for a lot of people, and maybe a lot of uh, English American speakers, mm-hmm. difficult to have half a movie in <laughs> if they're not used to. If they specifically don't see foreign language films because they yes. don't want to deal with the subtitles. That could be a little bit of a difficulty. Um, Apparently in West Side Story, uh, Spielberg had a fair amount of dialogue in Spanish. But he did that cheat thing where anything that was important he would have them say again in English. Oh. Oh, interesting. Oh, it's a thing people do any time. Not any time. I have seen it in a lot of films where somebody speaks in a different language. They will have someone... They will, they will add additional context in the dialogue so you know what's going on, even if it doesn't quite fit, like, how people actually talk, who okay. code switch and know how to speak multiple languages. Um, whereas here, you had, like, in the same sentence occasionally, like Evelyn switching between, again, mm-hmm. what I'm assuming is Cantonese and English and back, without missing a beat or... or in a way that I would not understand if there weren't subtitles. So I appreciate that there were subtitles. But I feel like there are movies where... Because they don't want you... To have to read subtitles... They always add the additional context around it. If there aren't subtitles. But... I don't know. That may just be me Well, I appreciate projecting. the language in this film. And yeah. the way it's presented. And, and the back and... Switching between languages mm-hmm. in the middle of a sentence, um, I think that's an accurate representation of how people yeah, adjust I to agree. being in a new, um, to being immigrants, uh-huh. to being immigrants. Um, 
I would definitely recommend the film. Yeah, oh, definitely. I just didn't love it the way that I felt like everybody else loved it. So yeah. I feel like I missed I something. liked it. I thought it was fun. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I thought it was fun. I think um, it, it there's a certain benefit of being unexpected. You know, someone coming into it and not being prepared for a Michelle Yeoh sci-fi comedy multiverse thing. Mm-hmm. Although that's exactly what it said it was going to be on the table. I was totally ready for the sci-fi multiverse. Yeah. As I said, I was expecting more, more complex, like having to jump between mm-hmm. universes. Which we didn't yeah. really do much of. Um, Which is not a bad thing. It's just what, no, what it's I just, was expecting. Yeah. Um, because it is, as I said, it's a very approachable film. Um, it was not the sort of movie that you have to like sit and think over to really appreciate and dive into. Or need a chart. Yeah, you certainly don't need a chart. Which on the one end is good filmmaking because you don't always want to have a chart to explain your movie. Um, That's what I was expecting. Something more like Dark, the TV show. Fair. Where you have to keep track of all these storylines happening at different... That's not... A multiverse. Except it kind of is multi-spoilers mm. for Dark. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Dark's it's, weird. Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. But you have to... You have to know. You have to be paying super close attention to the TV yeah. show Dark to know what's going on, what time they're in, mm-hmm. which version of the character you're seeing. Yes. So I was expecting something. Yeah, this was like not that. that level yeah um this was very linear storytelling Mm -hmm. which again not a bad thing lots of things are linear storytelling Mm -hmm. um and just because something has a complicated plot structure doesn't make it good yep um oh i do i do love me a complicated plot structure There were some meta moments that I appreciated. The fake ending being one of them. But also the fact that the parallel universe Evelyn was watching the movie that we were watching. Because mm-hmm. she had starred in it. Mm-hmm. Like that's... That's something. <laughs> Mostly just a joke and don't think about it too hard. But it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, that all your take up all your notes. That's most of my notes. I did have one other. This is not an observation of the movie, um, so much as it is a weird thing in my life that was a weird, quinky dink. Uh, so, as you know, Amy, I'm a fan of Blazeball, the internet random number generator that makes you cry. Um, <laughs> and it makes you cry because it randomly generates player names with randomly generated stats and then occasionally kills them off. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have no personality. They have a name. Um, but something a lot of people on Twitter have done is, and not just on Twitter, but like in the baseball community, is create elaborate backstories for all of these characters and who they are and in mo- many times incredibly fantastical, like weird things. Like there's a player with a lobster claw for a hand. Why? It's not important. Don't ask questions. And in the last Blazeball era, um, which was last year, or the, yeah, last year at some point, um, I thought it would be fun to make a Twitter account for one of these randomly generated players. And I did. Um, and then the community generated background for this player, which there's, Blazeball exists in a multiverse, so there's no one true version of any one player. Um, which is both canon in the universe of the game, but also allows people to make up non-conflicting backstories and things. One of the non-conflicting backstories for the character that I was role-playing on Twitter as um, turns into a rock with googly eyes. (laughs) (laughs) That is just one of the things about that character that I thought was kind of funny. To me only... Um, I mean, a rock with googly eyes is inherently funny, but... 
mean, I get to see the, the scenes with the rocks where the dialogue is written out. Uh-huh. Uh, was very clear which character is which. It was very much in the tone of those characters. Yeah. Which tells me a lot of good things about the writing, that it wasn't just the actors bringing, bringing it. Yeah. it to the characters, that it was in the writing of mm-hmm. very specific Characters. Yeah, I knew which rock was which, <laughs> which is impressive. Yeah, and it sounded like them. Yeah, it sounded like them. It was believably them yeah. as rocks. As rocks, because there's some absurdity. Yeah, a fair amount of absurdity. To, to lots of absurdity. Yeah, not just a little bit. Lots of it. Lots of it. Um, also, apparently, it is Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt, uh, Randy Newman was uncredited as a voice actor. Oh, interesting. Um, as the person in the, not the person, the thing that talked in the restaurant. (laughs) The raccoon? Yeah. okay. I didn't want to, like, ruin the surprise. Yeah, there's a raccoon in the restaurant. I think that doesn't give anything away. But that was that raccoon was voiced by Randy Newman as an uncredited voice production. Funny, yeah. I think I'll have different opinions tomorrow and next week. That's and always next allowed month on it because it's really like a lot on my brain mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> yeah, it was a good movie. Good movie, and we saw it in the theater, which is only. The second movie we've seen in the theater in two years. Yeah. So. Which means we get to bring back Kevin's favorite segment, Let's Discuss the Trailers We Watch. <sighs> did you write down the trailers? I did. Okay. <laughs> we used to do that on DVDs, didn't we? Or was it only on the... It was in theaters. Those theaters. Okay, DVDs don't have trailers anymore. So I mean, some of them do, but most of them don't. It's not blockbuster. Yeah. Um, so this was not technically a trailer. It was a pre-trailer. Um, but Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm excited about it. Yeah. That's all I have to say. I'm excited yeah. about Star Trek Strange New Bring, Worlds. you know, more, more Star, Star Trek, please. Yeah. Uh, and then there was Nope, the new Jordan <laughs> Peele movie. <laughs> title that was the title i know i know I, when it came up i just laughed to myself yeah well some of the people next to me laughed as well yeah because i didn't know anything about jordan peele during a, a new film and yeah um, and it's called it's, nope yep which i feel like should be the title to many horror movies yeah i wondered what it was about this one specifically yeah i got it that title i'm, I'm curious i want to find out um Nope. 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 I mean, it's almost the the uh, a parallel to Get Out. <laughs> Just things you yell at movie screens oh, yeah. in horror movies. Yep. Uh, but I'm always excited about a new Jordan Peele movie. Yeah. I think he has done a very good job with the two that he has made that so far. Look like a spooky trailer. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I was like, oh, did they do that? Because this is a film about the multiverse. I mean, maybe. They might have done it But also, they're probably putting a Marvel trailer in every movie. Yeah. Ever. The only thing I find interesting about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is that it's directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah. He's coming back to the superhero. Yeah. Superhero game. Hadn't made one since the Spider-Man so, yeah, I still want to see him. Gotta see Spider Man. Yeah, we and the other finish. spiders. Yeah, we watched Tobey Maguire and, and Andrew Garfield. Garfield. We and haven't watched, watched the third one. The yeah. Tom Holland ones. Um, but I did think it was real funny when in the Multiverse of Madness trailer. Doctor Strange is like, what do you know about the multiverse? Like, it's this big, complicated thing. And again, this movie's like, yeah, multiverse. Get on board or don't. (laughs) We're not going to explain it more than that. Um, So that looks fun. Also, 
I am 90% sure I heard Patrick Stewart's voice. I also thought that. <laughs> I also thought that. You didn't see him. He wasn't, you didn't see he him. His name wasn't in the little yeah, credit blip. But I but. strongly suspect Patrick Stewart's yeah. and Sam Raimi's so we'll madness, have to, we'll have to of madness. guess who he might be yeah. playing. Uh, I have a guess, but I'm not going to say it. Oh, you do? Uh, yeah. I'm not going to spoil it for the listeners. Okay, we'll save it for the Patronies, because I want to know what your guess <laughs> is. Um, and then, in other directors whose work I generally enjoy, uh, David Eggers has a new movie, The Northman. What does he do before? The Witch. That's what I and thought. And The Lighthouse. That's what I thought. I was like, this looks like The Witch <laughs> and The Lighthouse, but I couldn't remember who. Yep. And, it, and it has Willem Dafoe in it. So. Yeah. That looked. That looked uh, fun. I mean, it looked like a Dave Eggers movie. Yeah. You know, historical period. Something weird going on. Something weird going on. (laughs) I am. I am willing to to follow him down that path and see what's going on. Although someone on Twitter called him a white supremacist recently. Oh, does he say? No, just because he he he's got the um, the alt right haircut. And he made a new movie about Norsemen, so he must oh, be a white supremacist. Okay, okay. I arguably, like, I don't know anything about his personal politics, but, like, if anything, The Witch is very, like, not an alt-right sort of story. It's very much, like, about patriarchy and those mm-hmm. complexities, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean he couldn't be a white supremacist, but I think the haircut's not enough in this case. Yeah, and then we saw a movie that's coming out. We saw the trailer for a movie that's coming out next week, which I have incredibly mixed feelings about. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Oh, the Nick Cage, starring Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage. I feel like you've heard good things about it so far. I haven't heard anything about it. I maybe I, I imagined just... that. Maybe I thought you told me you'd heard. I think I, I told you I've heard, heard of it. I don't um, remember what I, I heard. think it's it's interesting i also think it's very hard to be that self-aware in a movie and pull it off well um, which is not to say you can't i mean i'm always fascinated when an actor plays themselves in a movie like the steve coogan we won with yeah the, uh, oh he wasn't so. playing steve coogan he was playing steve coogan oh he was playing steve coogan you're yeah. right you're right i was like he's playing alan partridge no he wasn't playing alan partridge that was no, the whole point because everyone the, confused in him the universe of the film <laughs> he had played alan partridge yes. because he was steve coogan but it was steve coogan playing the character of steve, of steve coogan, coogan in the yes. film so that 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 lens ness of it yeah. is always kind of fascinating yeah I, I agree i'm i'm that's why I have mixed feelings about it. Like, the actual plot line feels very... Spy. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. Action. I mean, it's got Tiffany Haddish. She's great. It's got um, other people who are also Pedro great. Pedro Pascal. Yeah, Pedro Pascal, who is good in things. Huh. Um, wasted in Wonder Woman, but... Yeah, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about Wonder Woman 84. Um... Yeah, no, like, good cast. Um, I don't know if the creative team behind it is, but interesting. Uh, I was going to say, it gave me the barest hints of Nick Cage in Adaptation, which I think is one of his best performances. Um, He's not playing Nick Cage there. He's playing um, a different real person, Charlie Kaufman. Mm -hmm. And also Charlie Kaufman's twin brother, who's not a real person, but did win the Oscar for the screenplay for Adaptation. He went up as a character? No, I think to... he won. I don't, I don't know if he won or not. I have to go look it up. Because Adaptation won the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. And uh, the pretend brother went up to... Well, the pretend brother was credited as one of the writers. Uh, Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman uh, and Donald Kaufman, both played by Nicolas Cage in the film, were the are the credited authors of the film. 
And it won. I think it won. Yeah, it did not win. It was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. What beat it? Uh, I'm not going to answer that question right now. I might answer that question right now. But um, I really appreciated Nicolas Cage in Adaptation. Um, because it's always sort of a, a, a big question in the air. Is Nicolas Cage a good actor? Or is Nicolas Cage a terrible actor? Because he can give the same performance and it can be both good and terrible. Mm -hmm. Which is weird. I don't want to see memorable moments. I just want to see who won best adapted screenplay. put the screenplay ones at the bottom because wow. like, nobody cares all right anything else we want to say about stuff it's a good movie go see it yeah. also very important representation yeah. of asian american characters and um, that's pretty cool because you don't see that you don't this is a fun movie. You want to tell them about our Patreon, Amy? Oh, uh, yeah. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash five degrees. Uh, you can support us. It's on a per-episode basis. You can put a, a cap on it, a monthly cap. So if we do too many episodes, you're like, I just want to pay for one, not 17. Yeah. That's fine. And there's two perks for being a patron. One is you get a list of movies we didn't watch, because normally Kevin gives me... A list of five or so movies, and I pick one. Mm -hmm. Today we didn't get a list; we just decided just on a whim a movie. to go see a movie. And the other perk is that you get the super unedited, unedited versions of the yeah. podcast from the moment we turn on the microphone to the moment we turn it off, in which we talk to our cat. Yeah, mostly all the time. Who doesn't talk to their cat? That's weirdos. Weirdos don't talk to their cat. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about you. You're not a weirdo. You're a cat. I mean, cats are kind of weirdos, too. Cats are kind of weirdos. Yeah, yeah. And we thank you for your support. Woo! We'll always have a free podcast. Podcast should be free, we think. And yeah. we thank you for listening. Did I get it all, Kevin? I think you got it all. Okay. Cool. Well, say goodnight, Amy. Good night, Amy.